The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief over at arrowheadpride.com. Joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, Tuesday, August 11th, about three days shy of what will be real, well, as real as it could be, (laughs) NFL training camp. And happy birthday, Otis Taylor, 78 years old today. Good note. Man who should be in the NFL Hall of Fame, but isn't quite yet. Yeah. So there you go. We got not only training camp coming up, it's Otis Taylor's birthday. So a lot to celebrate today on this Tuesday. We are going to get into some Chiefs news from the past few days since our last meeting on Thursday. The takeaways from the Chiefs' last media opportunity. Pro Football Focus, once again, has been stirring it up. So we'll discuss that. We got a slight (laughs) note on Alex Smith and some good news coming there. And we'll wrap this thing up with Patrick Mahomes and Tyron Matthew on voter registration. We had noted how this was going to be a push from two of the Chiefs leaders this year. But first, the biggest news of the past few days. And you could tell where we're at when this is the biggest news of the past few days. But Alex Okafor... (laughs) has decided to restructure his contract with the Kansas City Chiefs. He was in line to be a chief for the next two seasons. So in this restructure, John, the Chiefs end up saving, what, about $2 million against this year's cap, and he becomes a free agent next season, 2021, for next year, as opposed to 2022. Right. It works out apparently to about $2.3 million. Our usual go-to for this kind of information is spot track, but OTC over the cap is a little ahead of the curve on this one. They have some numbers indicating that what's actually happened here is that Okafor got the base salary he was already guaranteed on the first day of the league year of $2 million plus a per game roster bonus of $860,000 and cap number of $4.9 million. That works out to $2.3 million less than his previous cap hit. And apparently there are some incentives in there good for up to $2 million, probably including that 860000 total per game roster bonus. So he could conceivably make something pretty close to what he was 
intending to make this year, but he'll have to be playing well and playing to do it. Right. And this was a player who was supposed to be really good for the Chiefs last year. He looked really good in training camp. I remember Mm -hmm, being up in St. Joseph where I said, don't be sleeping on Alex Okafor. I know everyone had been really excited about Frank Clark, but the other side, the left defensive end, was showing out. And he dealt with injuries early on in the year. He had a season cut short by a torn pec week 15. So you never really got to see what Okafor could do fully healthy. And this is an older player. He's been around the league with the New Orleans Saints. He wants to have a good comeback season. Our own Matt Stagner recently did an article about potentially comeback years for some Chiefs. And Alex Okafor took it upon himself to write on our own Instagram that he's coming. So some people might be writing Alex Okafor off, but he is not writing himself off. He wants to have a comeback season. And I think the Chiefs will be in way better shape if he does. The fact that he was willing to take a restructure, I think does say a lot about where the Chiefs feel and stand about certain players on their roster when it comes to starting roles, not only next year, because Okafor now is no longer under contract, but even maybe this year where if they were willing to maybe talk about cutting or moving on from Okafor, it's got to tell you that they feel comfortable with Tano Passigno, with guys like maybe Breland Speaks is in there, Damone Harris, potentially Taco Charlton. Tano, I think, of those players is the guy you look at. And I focus on him because Steve Spagnuolo has been so high on Passigno mm-hmm. since he got here. This was a player, John, we, we thought was going to be cut. No other way to say right. it. And mm-hmm. Spagnolo and his willingness to work with him and use him in the defense has reinvigorated his career. And now he looks and projects to be a player maybe the Chiefs will be investing more money into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think a lot of fans uh, had the question of why would Okafor restructure his contract to essentially make less money? And the answer to that is basically, well, the Chiefs told him he was on the verge of being cut, (laughs) that they had players that they were willing to give more reps in the offense, and they simply couldn't afford to pay him a $7.2 million cap hit for the coming season and have him be essentially a reserve player. So this is sort of the Patrick Mahomes effect. Okafor says, okay, I accept that. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I'll, I'll continue to play for the Chiefs this season, but I want to be a free agent next year and I'll be willing to take less money, but I want some incentives. I, I could see how this would be something that he'd be willing to do in that kind of a circumstance. And it makes it clear that the Chiefs feel they have some options at defensive end that are up and coming. One player that I didn't mention was a draft pick this year. Someone that Brendan Daly, the defensive line coach, really likes is Mike Dana. And Mm -hmm. we'll see what he's able to do and what he's able to develop in from what our own nerd squad has has said and, and feels about Dana, he needs some work. So maybe he has that year buffer where he is able to develop and, and show the Chiefs something. I want to bring the attention to a defensive end, Tim Ward. This was a yeah. player who signed with the Chiefs last year. He had this redshirt year as he was dealing with, I believe it was a knee injury. But I remember this. It was from, I have the date here, April 29th, 2019. Brett Veach on a conference call talking about undrafted free agents. Take a trip with me 
down to memory lane and listen to these words from your Chiefs GM. Another guy you might not see this year, but I think this Tim Ward from Old Dominion, he was a guy that tore his knee. I don't know if he'll be ready this year, um, but he's going to be a prototypical Steve Spagnola defensive end. I mean, he's long, athletic, um, start playing football late, and everyone kind of went in there to, to evaluate the Zimenez kid who got drafted Old Dominion. This was a kid that, you know, um, uh, one of our scouts, Mike Davis, had mentioned, like, hey, they have this other defensive end. He's raw as all get out. Um, start playing football late. And, um, you know, the late tape at Old Dominion, I mean, he really start coming on. Then he hurt his knee. Um, we had him in here for the um, um, for one of the workouts here. The NFL conducted a um, um, uh, another combine here that we had. And he had, co- um, he had come to that. Um, spent a lot of time with him. So you might not see him this year, but... Um, you know, we, we would, we're going to, we're going to take our time with his rehab. We're not going to rush him and he could be a a guy that can really develop and, um, and and be a player in the future. Another player just like this is Darius Harris. He too had a red shirt year, but focusing in on Ward, I just look at this entire group of players and I think the chiefs were looking at their depth and saying, we have speaks Charlton. We have. Tim Ward, we have Damone Harris, Mike Dana, Passigno. These are all options for us. If we want to save a little bit of money, we managed without Okafor last year. One of these guys is going to stick. And, and so they made the move. And I, I think it's that simple. I know there are some people out there that are saying, well, Jadavian Clowney, he's on his way to the Chiefs. Yeah. The beginning of free agency... Clowney wouldn't take a deal. I believe it was around $15 million. So to think that the Chiefs would use all of their salary cap space, according to the salary cap sites on Clowney, I think is a little preposterous at this point. And I I still got to think that maybe he overplayed his hand, but I I don't think he's going to be taking way less than $15 million a season, even if it is for just the one year. We're going to have to get used to this idea that when the Chiefs have salary cap space, they're just going to run out and spend it on free agent players. Again, we've been trying to adjust to this ever since the Super Bowl victory, but now that we're here, it's an entirely different paradigm that we're going to have to get used to. And the Chiefs are going to be in a mode where they need to protect their roster and protect the salary cap because they've got a big chunk of it going out to Patrick Mahomes now for the next 12 years. And so the most likely possibility is that the Chiefs are going to hang on to as much of this money as they can to roll it over into 2021. Yeah, that's the key too. There is a floor of $175 million for the salary cap mm-hmm. next year. Yeah. But with the way things have been going with COVID, you got to think the NFL is going to be right there. So you have to prepare mm-hmm. for that. And I, I think mm-hmm. the Chiefs are just being smart. This isn't a one Super Bowl thing for them. This is a multiple Super Bowl thing for them. And it's moves like this that I think add up to being really smart with your money. All right, let's get to some of the sound from Sunday. If you want to go back and listen to the full interview, we have it on the podcast channel from the podium from Sunday. It was Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, some players that spoke. Want to get to the concrete news or I guess not so concrete news. Andy Reid talking about some PUP players. Here are his comments on Juan Thornhill. Yeah, we'll have to see how, you know, how and when um, that he's there. He is doing well at this time. So we'll just, once we get into that phase where we're moving them around, the, you know, the guys, the trainers are moving them around a little bit more. 
Um, but we'll be able to tell, but he's not ready, obviously, right now. So that's not good on someone who was supposed to be a potential starter for you. Did really well last year. The expectation was that Thornhill would be ready for training camp. And I don't want to necessarily call it a setback. And I don't even want to say it's bad news, but it's just not good news at this point. I think right. Right. My feeling is, and from what I've heard, they expected him to be a little bit further along. I think that's why they went out and made the move for Tedrick Thompson. I think that's why you're seeing a lot of Chiefs fans say, is, is Logan Ryan available? That's another hot name out there. Not to go off on a spiel, but even just to go back to your point, you're world champions now. You're world champion fans. Every name is not a guy right. that the Chiefs have yeah. to go. Now, they may end up with Logan Ryan by the end of the day. Brett Veach is that unpredictable. <laughs> that being said, they have plans in place to deal with this type of thing. And right. though Thompson is not a hot name, maybe he's all right for three or four games while you need potentially some extra time to get Thornhill back in place. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I, I it's not that the Chiefs wouldn't necessarily sign a free agent player at some point uh, before the season begins uh, or around the roster deadline or at some point during the season. You have to have flexibility to make moves because that's the GM's job is to be flexible and take care of problems as they come up. So, yeah, they could end up using some of this cap space on a free agent. But I think the goal here is to hang on to as much of it as they can. If they could get through the season without spending any of the money that they presently have, I think that's exactly what they want to do. And these little role players are huge. We know what Mike Pinnell meant to this team when yeah. it came to run yeah. defense. That's still looked at as a weakness by Anthony Hitchens and some of the defensive leaders. We'll never know or have a full grasp on what Terrell Suggs meant to that defensive room where you don't know exactly okay what he was saying to some of these guys he became one of the only champions in the room that could really talk about getting over this hump super bowl jitters things like that you want to have that flexibility so yeah i don't i don't foresee the chiefs going out and and really getting someone with a lot of money to replace thornhill i think they have enough in the room and they feel that way to be able to handle if he does have to miss a portion of the first part of the year, first quarter of the year, uh, so on and so forth. We're still hoping for the best. I mean, we could turn around next week and Thornhill could be practicing. It's just this very odd type of scenario here with COVID where not a ton of us will be on the field. We'll be relying on a very select group of writers to see how these guys are being used at practice. Are they on the side? So on and so forth. So we'll keep you updated on that at Arrowhead pride.com the other guy on pup right now for the chiefs is a role player offensive lineman martinez rankin yeah i'd say the same thing i mean they're they're all making good progress it's just a matter of when they could come back so as they ramp them up the trainers uh we'll we'll see but uh neither one ready to go right right now rankin less important right now he's a developing young player this was the guy who came over for the carlos Hyde trade I'm not over worried about Rankin not being ready because I don't really, even if he was healthy, project him as a starter. Some people might. So I don't mm -hmm. want to say, okay, it's nothing yeah. to worry about completely. But I just, I, I don't think there's any rush in getting Martinez Rankin back in this lineup. Well, that's why they have a player like Mike Rimmers. I mean, let's be, let's be honest. Uh, you know, he could be a starter on this team this year depending on how some of the young players uh, work out, they're going to put the best five offensive linemen on the field. We know this about the Chiefs. We've had this conversation every year in August. 
who is going to be the Chiefs' offensive line, who are the five starters going to be. So we're entirely accustomed to this conversation. Remmers could be one of those guys, but he was brought here to be a swing player. When there's such little information like there is right now, you do start to, to look at the little things. And one thing that I noticed on Sunday with the media availability is I asked Patrick Mahomes about Colecchio Semele. And I, I said, you know, what do you think of this new guy? Fairly new story. I, I thought maybe we could get a quick article about it. We ended up doing it. That's not the point of this. What I'm saying is I brought up Osimile and he was quick to bring up Mike Remmers. With Osimile and, and Remmers, both those guys, both those guys are big. They're big and strong and they're smart. And I think that's that's uh, the three things that you need to have when you come in and play in this offense. And so, uh, Kalechi, uh, I mean, when he shook my hand my first time, uh, I had to like, hey, man, easy a little bit, man. I mean, just how big and strong that guy is. Um, and so I'm excited to have them. They're learning, uh, obviously, this offense uh, uh, quickly and progressing quickly. It's good about having veteran guys like that. Um, but I'm excited for that competition and that room just to bring the best out of everybody. We talk about how Andy Reid goes with the best five offensive linemen. And I just think it's worth noting that that is with an asterisk at the beginning of training camp, because the guys who usually get the first cracker at this thing are veterans. And then, yes, it could be a week later where you're seeing younger players maybe get a crack at the starting rotation. But I think going into camp and again, you sort of have to do the tinfoil hat thing a little bit because of COVID. <laughs> I see Eric Fisher. I see Coletio Semele, left guard. Austin Reiner center, Mike Remmers to start at right guard, and then Mitch Schwartz. And I think that's what you're working with. Not to say, okay, you turn around and all of a sudden Andrew Wiley is in there. I think that's a possibility, but the Chiefs are going to see what they have in their veterans. I keep reminding people this because I know that Wiley is someone that Therese likes. I know that maybe our, our own nerd squad is not in love with Remmers. Hard for me to just see the Chiefs bringing in Remmers, a guy who has had more than 12 to 14 starts the last five seasons that he's not going to be a, a good player to just insert in there. And if I'm wrong here, which of course I've been wrong before, I'm, I'm willing to admit that. What a great depth player to have if one of these guys goes down or unfortunately gets the coronavirus. Yeah, I myself would tend to think that Wiley would have the inside track to go to right guard. He played pretty well at right guard when he's been in there. Uh, in relief. He's almost uh, been LDT's personal backup there. Yeah, he has. And he's actually performed fairly well in that spot compared to what he did at left guard. But I, I can't disregard your point there. You know, in Remmers, we're talking about a guy that's not only a longtime veteran, has played a lot of games, started a lot of games. He's played in the Super Bowl. Yeah, this is what's interesting. We've got two players that they've brought in to be uh, to, to fill the holes in the offensive line. One of them has a Super Bowl ring, and one of them played for a Super Bowl ring. It's hard to find players of that caliber with that kind of experience at this point in the year. Uh, well, of course, Remmers came much earlier, but Assembly in particular, it's it's hard to find a player like Assembly at this point in the year, and the Chiefs did well uh, to uh, to bring him in. So, you know, they've got some guys who could start if they don't feel comfortable with Wiley. I just happen to think Wiley might be uh, further up the list than you do, but, you know, opinions vary. Other names to watch, Nick Allegretti, the draft pick from last year, uh, Rankin when he does come off PUP, Greg Sinat is in that mix, and then you have undrafted free agents, Daryl Williams, who... Man, I liked a lot when I yeah. talked to him. I can't wait to see him on the field. 
it might not be till next year as I'm finding out and Yasser Durant. Uh, yeah. So uh, we'll see how it shakes out. I mean, it, it is going to be the best five guys at the end of this thing. Again, to start camp, Andy Reid usually goes with veterans. We talked about how Mahomes feels about his new offensive line. And he also commented on his initial impressions about the running back, the go-to guy, Clyde, the glide Edwards, Alaire. Yeah, first impression, I mean, he's a hard worker. I think that's the, the first thing that you can see from day one. Uh, he, he's always wanting to learn more. He's wanting to get in every single rep. They let him in, and uh, he's someone that it's, it's gotten better every single day. And so I'm excited to have him and uh, adapt him and involve him more and more in the offense. And as he, he learns more, he'll be able to progress and have more success every single day. So Mahomes likes him. That's a good first step to mm-hmm. success with the Kansas City Chiefs. I also want to note here, too, for fantasy football players, and John, I know you don't play, but uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is someone that Lewis Riddick is high on right now. Mm-hmm. Riddick spent yep. time with Brett Veach in the Eagles organization, so these guys talk on a regular basis. And don't forget, it was Riddick that was getting these secret videos of Patrick Mahomes before anyone knew about him and was super high on him and saying he's going to be really good in Kansas City before anyone really recognized that. And so Riddick comes out and says that fantasy football owners should be drafting Clyde Edwards-Alaire first overall. And that's because, of course, in fantasy football, you're not going to draft a quarterback first overall. So it doesn't work the same as the NFL. You want production. So what that goes to show you is the Chiefs are thinking that this guy is going to produce Christian McCaffrey type of numbers. And I've been alluding to that. I, I think that's what they see for him. We will see. Very, very interesting to me that Riddick would go that far. And of course, good to hear Mahomes is getting along with this running back. And everything you've heard from CEH would lead you to believe that he's this type of guy, makeup-wise, that the Chiefs really admire in, in bringing him in. You know, I just I just said in an article that we published uh, just a little while ago on arrowheadpride.com that... Um, Edward Zolaire is essentially the big unknown of this season. On paper, he should be a perfect fit for Andy Reid's offense, but he's still a rookie. And you can't deny the fact that sometimes rookies take a little time to, uh, to get into rhythm and be productive in the offenses that they're drafted into. Now, of course, in 2017, Kareem Hunt didn't have any trouble as a rookie, he scored 11 touchdowns and led yep. the NFL in rushing. So it's not like it's unknown for a rookie running back to come in and be very productive in Andy Reid's offense. Um, this remark I made in the article was uh, referring to a projection that an NFL.com analyst made that Edwards Alaire would have seven touchdowns this season. I think that's a little low. Um, Hunt had 11 in his rookie season. So I don't think it's beyond the possibility he could be a big contributor to this team this year. So it's different for Clyde because of the pass catching ability. So even when you're not rushing with him, he could still get touchdowns through the air. And I I think that's the game changer there. And we saw a lot of that with with Kareem Hunt. Remember Mm -hmm. with these check downs that we used to hate when Alex Smith was (laughs) here. You check down to Kareem Hunt three or four yards away from the line of scrimmage and he was down the field for 28. And, And I think the Chiefs see the same thing in Clyde and they have a really good backup too. I, I think, and I'm projecting DeAndre Washington to be that guy who has a similar traits too. So man, you're really looking at a well-oiled machine. Like you plop a wide receiver off the field, you insert McCole Hardman. That's, that's not just such a, 
a downgrade either. You know what I mean? So right. man, I I've talked about it. I just, you have a potential here for a historic offense in 2020 it, upsetting that it comes when on the field play is so questionable with everything going on, but it is what it is. It's going to be fun to watch while these guys uh, are healthy, can stay healthy and so on and so forth. When we come back, want to discuss Sammy Watkins and his comments from Sunday. The Chiefs also made a minor transaction. We'll have some notes on that. Stay with us on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, Sammy Watkins met the media for the first time since his Bleacher Report article in the offseason to fill you in, remind you of what happened there. Watkins had some second thoughts about whether or not he'd want to return to Kansas City, was thinking about maybe how he could potentially go somewhere else and be the guy. As we know, as it played out, Watkins ended up taking a restructure of his contract to stay in Kansas City and give the Chiefs some cap relief, and he'll be here at least through the season. Andy Reid spoke about Watkins on Sunday. Yeah, I'm a big Sammy Watkins fan, so I, I think he's a heck of a football player and really helps us make this thing go offensively. So um, uh, I, I don't worry about all that. I'd hope he'd want the ball more. I mean, that's, a, that's what great players want. And so um, that, does, that doesn't bother me that he, that he said that. I'm glad he's back here and he'll have, he'll have opportunities for sure. It's easy, I think, to get in your feelings a little bit when you're away from the team, but the Chiefs feel so buttoned up once you're back in the building. And I think that's why you heard the words from Andy Reid. It's pretty clear that they had these discussions and Reid's happy to hear that his players want the football in their hands. That means, okay, this is something that we're grooming that is this championship caliber thing. Watkins had an interesting year last year. He had that early season game where he had this explosion you really didn't hear from him and he was so important in the playoffs and i i just think in these games where you're up against better defenses uh better teams the top tier teams maybe watkins isn't the first target in a game against a lower end team because travis kelsey and tyree kill they, they can't manage but when there's teams that can shut down travis kelsey and tyree kill like playoff teams, that's mm -hmm. where Sammy Watkins really shines because you get to that third level of defense versus what it should be a number three, and boom, you're dealing with another number one wide receiver. Right, and and I think that's one of the things that's easy to forget about uh, 
the postseason numbers for Watkins is that you're by definition playing better teams that right. know how to win against good teams. And one of the ways you win against good teams is shutting down the number one weapons of those teams. And that adds up to opportunity for Sammy Watkins. And he's demonstrated he's a bit, he's been able to take advantage of those opportunities. Sammy Watkins shared his new ideology about the 2020 season on Sunday. Very important to stay here. I think um, for, for what we did and winning the Super Bowl and the type of team and coaches we have and organization, um, why wouldn't I stay? You know what I mean? Um, I'm a guy that's been in the league now going on seven years and um, I've been on teams where I was not so good and we're not, we weren't winning. So um, my job was to really stay focused and, you know, be on a team to where we got a well-established quarterback, well-established team, and um, coaches, organization. And um, I think the fun is in the winning um, more than anything. Watkins had a 2015 season with the Buffalo Bills where he had 96 targets, 60 receptions, and 1,000 yards, more than 1,000 yards. 1047 was the total in Buffalo. And then he never really was able to get close to that again. But he did, besides that year, He's had the most yardage that he had from that season last year with 673. 52 receptions was also a high since that season. And he also got a lot of targets. 90 targets last year when in that big season with Buffalo, he only had 96. I would have thought that that would have been a little bit higher. So he's going to be seeing the opportunities that he did when he was able to have that season. I think he's forever been looking at that 1,000 yard season. We learned how much of a deep thinker Sammy Watkins was this offseason. So one thing I presented him was, okay, you know, you are a big visualizer. What are you visualizing this year for both yourself and the team? Visualizing um, Super Bowl. I think when you're playing this game and you're on the type of team that we're on, as far as individual goals, yeah, you, you love to have those numbers. You love to have all the touchdowns, but um, you got to be realistic with yourself and say that we have arguably seven superstars on one offense. Um, I just think it's hard on the coaches. It's not hard on me. My game is just going out there playing, but definitely have big goals for us to win the Super Bowl, and, and that's the goal. And um, individual goals is, is 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 definitely set, but I think the focus is to to stay um, on trying to win games. And if we can win games and, and Super Bowl and I can get 1,000 yards, then, hey, that that'll be great. I think that last point's key because – the thousand yards are still in his brain. I think he really, really wants to get back there. But first, let's take care of being a good team. And then maybe I'll worry about my individual. It's just, it's a complete 180 from what we heard this offseason. You know, I think it's interesting that uh, people think of Sammy as being kind of a nut. You know, and he has tweeted some weird things and he's said some weird things. But it just now listening to him talk, uh, from the press conference the other day, it seems to me that he's a little outside of the box when he's talking to media outside of Kansas City. When he's at home talking to local reporters where he knows that this is how the local fans are going to perceive him, he's really been right on the money ever since he came to Kansas City. I remember when he first arrived at Chiefs training camp and he was talking about how this is going to be great for me. Because I am not the guy that's being expected to produce. I'm not going to be the guy that has all these expectations on him, and I'm going to have to make this happen for this team. Instead, I'm here. I can be a team player. I can support other guys and still get some numbers. That's exactly what you want to hear 
uh, from a player like Watkins. And there's not a thing in what he said in this last press conference that was was less than perfect. I mean, he was really right. making an effort to uh, to say the right things and correct some perceptions that happened when he was talking to national reporters who were looking for a headline that right. could juice their stories. Nothing against Bleacher Report or any of the other reporting that's taken place since the Super Bowl, because Sammy is, let's face it, a little weird. But he, but he, he, I think when he's at home talking to local media, you really get more of a sense of what he's really about. It's rare for players to be as raw as Sammy is and not controversial. Right. And that's why it was so off-putting. I want to, maybe not off-putting, but just surprising to hear some of the things that were reported this offseason in the quotes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the Chiefs are fortunate, I think, to have that fact. And, and it seems like they have it under control when they're in the building. Tyron Matthews is another one who's just really raw, but not controversial. And I think that's easier to do when you're winning. Right? Yeah. And oh, yeah. <laughs> so the Chiefs have a lot of personalities in there. Uh, they are fortunate to be as good as they are. I, I will say that. And, and not to say that that's a negative, but imagine a three or four game losing streak when you have voices that are willing to tell you this truth, like Tyron, maybe mm-hmm. a Sammy, uh, maybe Frank Clark. Um, even Chris Jones comes to mind. I like last year when he was saying the, the thing about how fans need to be in the building. Like that's straight. That's raw. I, I mean, it's not always a popular thing to say, but look that that was raw. So the kind of thing that Tony Gonzalez used to say all the time when the Chiefs weren't doing very well. You could always go up to, to, to Tony Gonzalez after the game and he would give you the straight poop. He would tell you exactly what he was feeling after that loss. And, you know, we haven't seen a lot of that from the Chiefs the last few years. Well, it's, 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 it's something that it, it spirals. And you see it with organizations mm-hmm. that eventually need to change coaches. It happened to Andy mm-hmm. Reid in Philadelphia where you just lose and it becomes almost part of the culture and then, and then it spirals. And uh, we are back to Mahomes again. But to have a quarterback <laughs> who since he has started has ensured that you don't lose by more than a touchdown. We've, we've had two years of Mahomes. He hasn't lost by more than a touchdown. A, a one-score game. Like... That helps because yeah. at least when you lose the rare occasions that you do, it's been rare now, you're not losing by a lot. You feel like, okay, the game of inches got us. We're, we're a better mm-hmm. team than that. Even in that mini slump last year, where they're losing to the Colts. Like, you still feel pretty good because you have Mahomes. And mm-hmm. I think that's part of the reason why the Chiefs can afford to bring in these type of personalities and 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 so on and so forth. That's a really good point because that was definitely not the case when Tony Gonzalez was on the <laughs> exactly. team. Exactly. You know, there were a lot of games where those players, even aside from Gonzalez, but there were a lot of players in that locker room who were hanging their heads because they just got walloped by, you know, three scores or four scores or it was 49 to three or some damn thing. I mean, you know, right. and we just don't see that now. So from these grand and big, important personalities and players, we go to a minor transaction. Uh, <laughs> Braxton Hoyt is back with the Chiefs. This is just something quick I, I think we should cover. John, you, you covered this story. I think the only relevant thing here with, with Hoyt, it was, he was on the practice squad last year. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things the Chiefs do after winning the Super Bowl, and you have to start taking care of business, I understand, but was just make sure that Hoyt's back in the building. Uh, and so now he's part of that 80-man roster with the Chiefs having a spot freed up. 
Yeah, I think more important uh, than putting him on the reserve future contract right after the Super Bowl, which they did for everybody that was on the practice squad, actually. Right. But I thought was more when I went back over my notes to see how Braxton had gone on and off the team last year. Um, they signed him in uh, the 1st of October. He was on the practice squad for a couple of weeks. They took him off the practice squad in order to make another roster move and put him back on just a week later. And that to me says, this is a player that we want to keep around. We want to keep giving him reps in our system. This is a guy that we think uh, can be somebody for us in the future. And so it really struck me, actually, kind of when he was released in that group of six, what was it, 10 days ago to get the team down to 80 players. I was kind of surprised to see his name in there because he did have that history uh, with the practice squad last year. And I was kind of surprised to see him go, but not at all surprised to see him come back when they had a spot where they could put him in. I mean, you got to be careful here sometimes too. And sure. last, po- yeah. last point I'll make on this podcast about Braxton Hoyt, no offense. <laughs> but when you do a lot of transactions like this, I mean, you start to get other pro personnel departments around the league saying, what's the deal with this guy? Why do they keep bringing him back? So yeah. if they really, truly do like him. Uh, they're going to have to make a decision eventually on on him or you may see him get plucked at some point because pretty right. clearly you're right. The Chiefs are making it through the transaction wire apparent to the rest of the league. This guy might have something to him. We, we, mm-hmm. keep, we keep bringing him back onto the roster. So anyway, there you go. Braxton Hoyt, a name you probably didn't know. He is back with the Chiefs. Uh, want to get to this PFF roundup. Uh, Pro Football Focus has been ranking players again. Uh, John, you've been on the pulse of this for us as well. Killing it recently at arrowheadpride.com. What uh, what should Chiefs be mad about, about Pro Football Focus this week? Well, we just posted a uh, piece this morning on arrowheadpride.com about Tyreek Hill being named the number four wide receiver in PFF's rankings. Um, and, you know, a lot of player, a lot of Chiefs fans think that Hill deserves to be the number one guy. I think it's hard to unseat Julio Jones at this right. point. I mean, I love Tyreek Hill. I think he's incredible. Are he's you a, a Julio over Michael Thomas guy? You like Julio still over Michael Thomas? Yeah. I mean, really, the guy yeah. continues to be incredible. And not to take anything away from Michael Thomas, for that matter. Um, you know, it, Hill is in some ways a product of Mahomes, which is not to denigrate his talents at all. In fact, I'm glad that Uh, around the league, people are starting to recognize that Hill is a talented wide receiver, that he's just not a fast guy who wins because he can go faster than anybody else on the field. He's a good route runner. He can win at the catch point, which was one of the points that PFF made about him in their article that we referenced. Um, You know, he's becoming a complete wide receiver and definitely deserves to be considered among the elite ones in the league. But there's some there's some good wide receivers in the NFL. So let's not set our sights too high on that deal. As long as he's catching passes from Patrick Mahomes, he'll continue to be a game changer. And that's all we really need to have. I think that's why for Hill in particular, though, too, the wasp play was nice for, I don't know if fans even realize, but at least national media, that's a complex yeah. route. It's not exactly the, the most normal route that you would run. And so for him to nail that and really change the course of the Super Bowl with that play and yeah. be able to track that ball and, and keep the Chiefs alive, I think 
went a long way in proving to national media, which is the first step of this, that maybe he's a little bit even better than this, this fast guy. Because don't forget, his numbers suffered last year because of that early injury. He only was able to right. get 850 right. yards. So he wasn't where you would look at the statistics and say, oh, we need to consider him in the top tier for wide receivers. I think it's fair right now, based upon what you've seen, to put him number four. I'm glad he's that high. I think he deserves right. to be that high. Now let's see a full healthy year. Can he prove I'm better than right. what would be uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Julio Jones and Michael Thomas? I think it's possible, but you can't put him ahead of those guys until he does it, which gets me so mad about George Kittle when he's mm-hmm. placed ahead <laughs> on a consistent basis because you have to do it as consistently and as often as Travis Kelsey has done it to merit being placed ahead of him. And and Kittle's gotten that boost. I know that there was that that yardage-breaking thing where Kelsey broke the record and then the same day, an hour or two later, Kittle broke it. Maybe that has forever put him ahead. I know the blocking thing is a thing, but uh, yes. Anyway, back to Hill because I'm getting, I'm getting off my train of thought. <laughs> a, a big year for him. I'm glad he's considered a top five wide receiver. I think he's right where he should be right now in these rankings. I'd agree with that. I mean, I, I, we... If he'd had a completely healthy season last year, who knows where he'd be. But given the circumstances that now exist, I think that's fair. I don't think there's anything about that to be mad about. I'm, in fact, grateful that at least he's not just a gadget player anymore. That just annoys the heck out of me. Pro Football Focus will continue be, to do their their position rankings in the NFL. We'll keep you covered at OurHeadPride.com. When we come back, we will talk about Alex Smith, some news from him this week, and then we will go over Patrick Mahomes and Tyron Matthews' words on voter registration in Kansas City. That's next on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, wrapping up our Tuesday edition of the program. Pete Sweeney, John Dixon. We talked a lot about Patrick Mahomes, as we do on every show. Now let's talk about the old quarterback, Alex Smith, a member of the Washington football team right now, and he's trying to make his way back. Some key quotes from Ron Rivera this week, according to the Washington Post. The biggest thing that we've got to do is make sure we're not divvying up the reps as evenly as possible, but we divvy up who they work against. This could be very interesting because of Alex Smith. If Alex is healthy and continues to get healthy and we do activate him, he's going to be in the throes of this competition. It's going to unfold, I think, very nicely for us as a football team. This competition is only going to make you better. It's going to push the young guys as well. This is more interesting to me as an outsider looking in, again, I don't cover the Washington football team on a regular basis, but as Alex Smith comes back, you watch videos of him, he looks amazingly to be getting his mobility back, which is such a key part of his game. It is certainly going to be cringeworthy the first 10 games while if Alex Smith were were able to, to get back because eventually he's going to be have to he's going to have to be sacked, tackled, et cetera, et cetera. I think he's fortunate in a sense Again, not covering this football team where he's against Dwayne Haskins, who has been a disappointment. It's not like he, he showed that, okay, this is for sure the guy last year. Right. Kyle Allen doesn't scream the guy as well. Right. So you all of a sudden throw an Alex Smith. If, you're, if the doctors are saying he is, okay, he's fully healthy back in this competition. He could win that job. I don't, I don't think that's insane to think. And here you have a player. You watch that clip. If, if you've watched it, if you haven't, I know some people can't handle it. 
he looked done. I, he looked like he was never going to maybe walk again. And here we are talking about him maybe being able to unseat Dwayne Haskins for the Washington job. It just goes to show, man, you can really do anything like that. It is one of those stories. I, I, I hate to be so cliche here, but it really feels like this could be the greatest comeback in NFL history. Yeah, it's a it's an incredible story. I, I still have a hard time wrapping my head around it, but you're right. If he ends up getting any significant playing time this season, everybody's going to hold their breath every time he just steps back in the pocket against the pass rush or tries to, you know, gain a few yards on on third down or, you know, to try and get the first down, which we right. saw him do so many times in Kansas City. I mean, that was the thing I liked about Alex Smith when he first came to the Chiefs. I mean, I you know, the conversations were all about, well, he's got this ceiling of yards and touchdowns and he's just a mediocre guy. But I loved how competitive this guy was right from his first game with the chiefs. He's out there putting himself out there every play, trying to make something happen, even if he had to do it himself. And I love that about the guy. Will he still be able to do that? I don't know. Alex Smith to me, he just doesn't get enough credit. And I, I, I always go back to this. Like he's not the greatest quarterback Ever. And he's not even close mm-hmm. to that, right? He's probably not even in the top 100 when it's, when it's all said and done, you know, and, and I'm not saying that, but he would come to a team, look at the game plan and just win. You know how mm-hmm. hard it is to go 94, 66 and one in the NFL, especially considering in San Francisco, he was nearly 500 because he was going through offensive coordinators right. like water. <laughs> right. He just simply won. He, yeah. he found ways to exploit the other team. He wasn't this dazzling quarterback that was going to throw for 500 yards. What will be a big problem for Smith is when he was playing his best in Kansas City, covering him, it was when the dual threat was an option. Those games where they were able to manage him or he, for some reason, it, it just felt like maybe he was banged up or whatever, where he was unwilling to run and he mm-hmm. didn't have to have that extra attention toward the line of scrimmage, he would tend to struggle because it wasn't a case where he was exactly the most accurate quarterback. He was a limited, a little timid and maybe not toward the end of his tenure in Kansas City, but especially at the beginning, a little timid to throw the deep ball to really stretch a defensive out. So that threat of him being able to run was mm-hmm. so key for him. Now, he had a good prowess and awareness of when to go down. And, and there were times where I would turn to the other reporter in the press box and say, he's going to get killed. One of these times, he's going to get killed. And he was always smart enough to, to go down and would just miss and, and man. I mean, he is going to have to be elite at that. It's not going to be fun as his defender playing him because you're, I would, oh, yeah. I know, I, I would almost feel bad. God forbid you're the person, but right. it is what it is. This is a deadly, <laughs> yeah. violent game still, even yeah. with all the new rules in place. We wish, of course, Alex the best. I think it's something to monitor far from Kansas City. And the narrative has completely shifted in Kansas City on Alex Smith. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was this, this thing that was would really, it was one of those sports topics that would get personal. And yeah. 
there aren't always a ton of them that that stretch, but people were so passionate about Alex Smith or not. Whereas now, because he's no longer with the Chiefs, because Mahomes is here, the super quarterback, you have the Super Bowl. It's it's become a a ninety nine percent of Chiefs fans l- like love Alex Smith, and I think appreciate the fact that he was able to grab a franchise that you could make the case just went through the worst season in NFL history for any team right. and brought them back to at least playoff prominence. Right. I, I think you might be exaggerating the 99% a little bit, but not by much. Right. When he was traded to the Washington football team, it was called by another name then, um, you could almost hear people thinking, well, good riddance to you. Yep. You know, good riddance to having these arguments about Alex Smith. But, as time has gone on, um, I think Chiefs fans have come to appreciate more what Smith brought to the team. And, and you're exactly right. He was certainly a big part of why the team was able to turn it around so dramatically when Andy Reid arrived here. Certainly, Reid had a lot to do with that. Uh, you'll never get me to say that that Reid didn't play an enormous role in that turnaround. He did. But part of the reason that Reed made an enormous turnaround is he was smart enough to bring Alex Smith to the team because it was exactly what the team needed, a stable, competent quarterback that they could build around. And then when it came time to actually get the the quarterback that they thought they could win championships with, they were ready to do it. Right. Um, You know, you just can't underestimate Smith's contribution to the team on that basis. And I'm, I'm glad that we've had this opportunity to see him play for another team and come to appreciate him more. And, and also the injury of course has, has made people uh, want to, to reach out to him and say, you know, we wish you the best, Alex, you deserve the best. And I think that's great. I'm, I'm glad we can look back on him that way now. And by the way, in that Washington disaster, which is a, a, a franchise from the outside looking in that has all kinds of problems, both on the field and off <laughs> yeah. the field, six and four, when he suffered the injury and the, the team yeah. has not been the same since really yeah. since you took him off the field. So eager to see what happens. You know that Andy Reed is in one of his disciples, Ron Rivera's ear and is in full support of with Alex and, and Rivera could look to some of the things that Reed was able to do with Smith in Kansas city. If he winds up being the guy fun thing to monitor, I think you yeah. wish him the best. There is a, a bitter sweetness to it. Uh, because you you just it's going to be cringy watching Alex Smith play football again. Last topic for the day: uh, Patrick Mahomes and Tyron Matthew uh, on voter registration with the current climate of the world and everything that went on uh, this off season with George Floyd and uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. Matthew and Mahomes they wanted to do something and they have focused on voter registration. And I want to play this video and sound for you. It'll be sound, of course, with this being a podcast. But uh, Matthew and Mahomes talking with the team. First, Andy Reid throws it to Mahomes, and then Matthew talks after that. But just some some things, I think, off the field that you can be really proud of your Kansas City Chiefs for. All right, I'm going to turn over the time here to the Badger and to Pat. Always keep an open mind. We're all here to learn and to get ourselves better and inevitably make everybody around us better, including this country. So that's what they're going to address you with. 
All right, well today, through meetings with the committee leaders and the president, Mark Donovan, of our team, and then uh, Clark Hunt, we really wanted to emphasize voter registration. Kind of a quick story coming from me. Over this off-season, everything happening, I wanted to make sure I was registered to vote. Uh, I did everything the right way. I made sure to uh, fill out everything, fill out the whole paperwork exactly how it said, went and mailed it in, uh, and then yesterday, before this meeting, I went and looked to make sure I was registered to vote. I looked, it said I wasn't registered, and they canceled it and didn't tell me. So that just shows a little way of, if I wasn't having this meeting, I would have never noticed that I wasn't registered to vote. It's something that we believe that as uh, leaders in the community that we are, that we all should be registered to vote. So we partnered with Rise to Vote, and they have tools that make sure that we as leaders of this community can get registered. Fellas, I feel like this is really a great opportunity for all of us to do something that's really going to be remembered by people that's outside of the football bubble. I'll be the first one to raise my hand. I actually registered to vote as well. For a while, I felt like my vote didn't count, especially being a, a young black man in America. You know, whether it's your opinion or not, if it matters or not, I've grown to realize that we all could chip in. We all could put our hand in the pile and really make it better. When we speak up, it means something. So I just urge everybody to kind of, you know, sit down, take a step back and realize that, you know, this is a situation that's much bigger than everybody in this room. So, and I think we all got a part to play. And so I'm looking forward to seeing everybody play their part in trying to make society, uh, you know, a better place. So Matthew and Mahomes doing their part to make sure everyone in Kansas City is registered and ready to go for what will be no other way to say it, a very controversial voting season and NFL season when it comes to, I think, the social injustice issues. And uh, we will keep you updated here at ArrowheadPride.com. John, you covered this story for us. Uh, I know this is not what we hired you for, but I think it's important, I think, to echo what Mahomes and Matthew are pushing here is getting everybody registered. So for those of the Arrowhead Pride, um, for those listeners of the Arrowhead Pride podcast, what's the best way to make sure you're registered to vote in Kansas City? There are links in the uh, article I posted about this uh, particular Great. video that we just played that lead to the Secretary of State pages uh, regarding voter registration in the six states that the Chiefs cover, Missouri, Kansas, Nebraska, Iowa, Oklahoma, Arkansas. And there's also a link to a place where you can find uh, the Secretary of State website at any state in the United States. And it's pretty easy to go on there and find out what it takes to get registered to vote. Usually it's a mail-in process. Obviously it varies from state to state because that's how we do it in the United States where everything is different from state to state. <laughs> Great. But it's not really uh, looking at the at the various procedures when I posted those links. Um, it's not that complicated. Some of them have a way to do it online. Some of them have a a way to do it by printing a form and mailing it in. Uh, it's not really that complicated to get yourself registered to vote. If you are registered, first, congratulations to you. Because that's your first duty as a citizen is to participate in what is a participatory democracy. The next step is to make sure that you use that registration and go out and vote. Now, obviously, there's a lot of controversy about mail-in voting and all of that in the season of covid um, both in Missouri and Kansas, uh, there are other methods to vote besides uh, being there on election day. I've lived in both Missouri and Kansas. In Kansas, you can vote ahead of time, uh, which means that the lines are shorter. 
uh, would you be better in terms of exposing yourself to other people if you're worried about being exposed to people who are infected with COVID? Uh, so that's a good thing. That starts uh, about a week before election day. Um, in both states, you can vote absentee. In Missouri, uh, this year made uh, worries about being exposed to COVID a valid reason to get an absentee ballot. Um Kansas, you can vote absentee. I don't think in any state in the union, they really check very carefully to see what your excuse is for getting an absentee ballot. I'm not going to tell you that you should lie to the election officials, but I'm thinking maybe there are people who do that. <laughs> and in all those Secretary of State pages will explain to you the processes that you need to go through in order to, to vote by mail, which you can do in both Missouri and Kansas in one way or another. There's one thing I should point out in Missouri specifically, uh, an absentee ballot, once you've acquired one by applying for it, uh, when you send it in, it has to be notarized. So uh, you need to be able to take it to a notary public someplace and get them to squeeze their little stamp on the paper before you mail it in. And I would just give one advice, one piece of advice that is valid for any kind of mail-in voting, whether it's uh, just regular mail-in voting like we have in some states here in the United States, or whether it's an absentee ballot. You know, uh, this really has nothing to do with whether or not the mail can handle all the mail-in votes or whatnot. If you're voting by mail, get that sucker in fast. You know, if nothing else, it gets it to these election boards quickly enough that they can deal with those ballots before the election. If nothing else, it's just a way to make their jobs easier. And those people work very hard at what they do. So uh, don't dawdle around with this. If you intend to vote by mail, get that ballot in as quickly as you can. So that'll help uh, reduce the stress on the system and the stress on the people who work in the, in the uh, voting offices. Unbelievable job. Uh, he's a stage man. He's the deputy editor of Arrowhead Pride <laughs> and a voting expert in Kansas City, Missouri. Well, I and, just did a little research before we started. And, that's all. Well, there you go. And besides, uh, so thank you, you for take that. my word on this stuff anyway. I'm a voting is look. Voting <laughs> is important. I, you, no matter where where you fall on the party lines, no matter how you feel about anything, right. if you want to see right. change in the world, if you want it to stay the same right. in the world, right? Voting, voting, voting. We at the Arrowhead Pride podcast and website certainly support everything that Patrick Mahomes and Tyron Matthew are doing and we love it we love to see it more of it more of it all right that wraps up our show hope you enjoyed another edition of the Arrowhead Pride editors show we will be back on Thursday ahead of Chiefs training camp which we believe again we're following the schedule here from afar we believe we'll start officially on Friday we'll be getting more media regularly it'll be it'll be great but until then, keep it locked in at ArrowheadPride.com for all your Chiefs news and notes. You can follow John at Arrowheadphones, myself at Peachy Sweeney, of course, Arrowhead Pride on Twitter. For John Dixon, my name is Pete Sweeney. Thank you for joining us on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show.